Hello and welcome to The Story Project. Today's guest is Angela D'Astasio, a distinguished dancer, teacher, and choreographer from New Jersey. Diagnosed with cystic fibrosis at three months old, her parents needed to find an active outlet to keep her lungs healthy. When she started dance at five years old, her talent, work ethic, and passion were abundantly clear. Angela received a scholarship to attend Marymount Manhattan College, where she received her bachelor's in fine arts with an emphasis on choreography and composition. After graduating, she began her journey as a dance educator and became a professional dancer for the Philadelphia 76ers. Voted dance captain in her second season, Angela led the team to global performances, most notably for a full house at the O2 Arena for the NBA London Games in 2018. She currently teaches jazz, ballet, contemporary, strengthening, and technique classes through private lessons and master classes in New Jersey and Philadelphia. Angela shares training tips for dancers and educators on TikTok, as well as stories of Angela discusses how a whim led her to 20,000 followers on TikTok, her experiences as a professional dancer and educator with an invisible illness, and an impassioned plea to dance while you can. Please enjoy this beautiful and inspiring conversation with Angela D'Astasio. Hi, Angela D'Astasio. Jessica. How are you today, my dearest friend? I am so good. I had a busy day, busier than expected. A lot of the kids have nationals coming up, so they were trying to get into the studio and blah, blah, blah. So busy week, but happy to do it. You're a superstar. Yay. So the first thing I want to ask you is, what is your human bio? So the things that we don't necessarily put on a resume or that's not on our LinkedIn, who are you and how would you describe your bio? <laughs> not that I have much on my LinkedIn. Anyway, <laughs> but <gasps> Who am I? Who is Angela? Angela? Oh my gosh. Where do I even begin? <laughs> so I think that outside of a resume, the biggest thing that has like shaped me into Angela would have to be like my familial influence and how close knit my family is. That's a big part of my life. I have, as you know, seven nieces and nephews that I pour my heart into and try to spend as much time with as possible. I also love my dog to absolute pieces. You know, I have my little four-year-old Dachshund Milo that I rescued and he's the love of my life. Angela is, oh my gosh, Angela about 10 years ago when we met is a little bit different than Angela 10 (laughs) years later. I'll tell you that. I feel like 10 years ago, I was a lot more, a lot more confident, but a lot less closed off, Mm. as you know, as our relationship has definitely, you know, become more open over the, the last 11 years or so that we've known each other. But Angela now is definitely more emotional. She is more open. She will absolutely cry at the drop of a hat, which was never me back in the day. Never. Never. I never cried ever. And I think that I legitimately have like years yeah. <laughs> of emotion and and things that I just never let go of until recent. So outside of a resume, I would say as a person, I feel like I um I don't know. I feel like I am strong. I I have a lot of <laughs> a lot of life experiences that have made me strong, whether I wanted them to or not. And I think that now I'm just trying to find the balance of all of these like not new emotions, emotions that I've always had that I'm now able to communicate. And um fitting that into having a little bit more confidence in myself like I used to have, like 18-year-old Ange used to have in herself. So So much confidence. 
a long-winded answer, but yeah, that's something. That's what we like. <laughs> that's what we like. Yeah. So yeah. Angela and I met in the BFA program for dance at Marymount yes. Manhattan College in 2012. 12. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. We started in 2012. Yes. So almost 11 years ago. Oh my God. I can't even believe it. <laughs> And, you know, we had some ups and downs. Not as a friendship. Our friendship was... Oh, not as a friendship, but yeah. extenuating circumstances. Oh, yeah. We've been through some things together. Yeah. We've seen some life together. Yeah, and you're one of the biggest blessings that I've ever had in my life. And certainly one of the biggest blessings that I got from a very painful time, very right. trying time in life. But yeah. I wouldn't change it. I mean, do I wish that I wasn't miserable and I got to have you? Sure. <laughs> Can't have it all, Jess. <laughs> Clearly not. <laughs> Clearly not. I mean, <clears throat> I remember talking to someone who said, I'm so glad we went through all that trauma together because it brought us so close. And I close, said, right. well, what if we didn't have to go through the trauma? Right. And we can right. still what be we close. Here? Yeah. <laughs> let's try to reframe this. So absolutely. It's not because we went through trauma that we're close. Like we could have probably gotten close We could have got here. Yeah. Otherwise. But the trauma bond just like expedited the absolutely. situation a little bit. For so sure. can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing now in your yes, life? Absolutely. So post college, I joined a NBA dance team. I danced for the Philadelphia 76ers for three seasons. I was lucky enough to be captain for two. Oh, yeah. But then, yes. But guess what, girl? My third season was COVID. So Yikes. that obviously changed everything for me specifically. So I know that whoever's listening to this probably does not know, but I have cystic fibrosis, which is a genetic lung pancreas, mainly lung and pancreas, but basically everything, everything is getting, yeah. getting affected by that. So when COVID happened, I needed to be smart in a time where everyone was going a little bit out of their minds. And I had to make the really hard decision not to go back when they finally allowed people back into the stadium. I just, I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel like the people around me were necessarily taking precautions that made me feel respected. For them to have someone with a friend who had like a lung disease I just was, I wasn't feeling like I was going to put myself in the best position there. So made the tough choice to retire from that. And then I started teaching again. So outside of dance, I worked at a corporate dental office, which I no longer do. Different conversation for later. Maybe oh, okay. That's good to know. <laughs> yeah. So now all my eggs are in the teaching basket. As they should be, my Angie. Really? And and I'm starting I'm starting to realize. So I got laid off about three months ago. I don't know if I would call it a layoff. We will talk about that later because I feel like you will have good advice for me. So after that happened, I was like, you know what? People on TikTok are really seeming to like appreciate my work with the kids. And they're always messaging me saying how much my things are helping them. And oh my gosh, this has been so great for my kids' technique. And I love the way that you talk to the kids and you're able to get your point across and you seem like you have a great relationship. And I'm like, you know what? Why am I not leaning in into this? With CF, I can't, I can't be in an office. That's just, it is what it is. No matter which way we try to slice it, it's never going to happen for me. I will never be able to get up and make it to an office at eight o'clock and sit there until five o'clock and then come home. It's just not going to happen for me. So I really realized over the past few months that like, this is a true gift that I have. And not only that, I feel like my story is 
can help a lot of people as well. So I feel like I've been trying to be a little bit more open online with all of that just because I feel like that might be able to open up some doors that I'm not necessarily seeing at this point. But right now I'm teaching. I'm teaching at my home studio, which I love to death. I have a few master classes at other studios around Jersey this summer, which I'm thrilled for. Yeah, so I even have people from Canada who have asked me to choreograph solos for them next season. So I'm starting to see a little bit like blooms of the seeds that I've planted this spring. And yeah, so I'm trying to lean into that right now. Take it and see where it goes. And it's also something that you've been interested in and loving for years. So even though you got laid off, whatever it was, and then you're building everything on TikTok and online, your whole life's work now you're getting like everything is finally like coming to a head. And now I just have to figure out how to like channel my energy in the right direction. Like I have always loved to be in the classroom with the kids. I started assistant teaching when I was 13 years old at the studio and I would help in one to two classes a week. Right after college, I went into teaching as I was doing a bunch of other stuff. So now it's a little bit different, like focusing just on the dance education aspect and not the performance and professional aspect. So yeah, it's been really interesting and I'm still trying to figure out how to make it like a cohesive career that can sustain me moving forward. You know what I mean? But I think that the steps that I have taken, I feel like I'm finally starting to see some like reward from that. So it's been nice. It's so nice seeing you flourish yeah. in that way. Right? And it's it's definitely going to happen and we can keep chatting and figuring out how to make it happen because we're, we yes. have very similar no, interests absolutely. in terms of teaching and we, we have a different approach potentially and like what we teach (laughs) but yeah we are trying to build something because we love it yeah and we're we're fighting for that right like I want this to I want this to be what I do I don't want to be a dental office manager slash dance teacher Mm -hmm. I want to be a dance teacher that's Mm -hmm. that's it and I want that to be able to sustain my life and a future family and I'm just trying to make it work well you're doing an amazing job and everyone is so lucky to learn from you and when you started putting things out there online. It was very inspiring to me because I feel like I have a lot I want to offer both Mm -hmm. in terms of teaching, but also my writing and this and that. And having you post your words of wisdom and Mm. your teaching techniques and the videos of you in the classroom, I feel like it's a gift that you're giving me. I think sometimes when you post content, it can feel kind of like, oh, I'm showing yes, off or I'm, like whatever it is. Like performative almost. Yeah. Right. But when you, when I receive it from you, I'm like, oh no, I'm gaining so much. She's mm-hmm. giving me a gift. And I know it's hard to put that out there. So I know that she had to put effort both in terms right. of her time and energy, but also to overcome any kind of insecurities or anything like right. that. So I have so much respect for people who can do that. So you're you just doing that has inspired me. And I'm sure that it inspires people, not just in what you're teaching, but in the act of actually putting it out there. I love to hear that. Yeah. I love to hear that because it was, it is hard. I did it out of a whim, Jess. My kids wanted to make a fun TikTok for Christmas (laughs) and I posted a fun TikTok of them for Christmas. And then I woke up the next day and I started gaining a lot of followers. And then I didn't post for a while. I didn't post for like three months. And then I was in a private lesson with my niece, Emma. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to set up my phone and I'm going to record and I'm going to see what happens. And I was able to take, you know, the clips from that one private and turn them into six to 10 videos that just kept getting views and kept getting great feedback from teachers. And it is nice to have other like well-respected teachers and 
professional dancers to reach out to you and say like, I really, I appreciate what you're doing and sharing all this stuff. And yeah, it just makes you think because I feel like it's always so hard as a dance teacher, especially as a younger dance teacher. I don't, well, younger, I'm now 29. So I'm like hitting the cusp of not telling you. It's still so much. You have people teaching into their 80s and 90s. That's what I'm saying. So I guess that's right. Yeah. Cause like we're used to having like older, older teachers, but I feel like I have such a good balance with them, which is why the kids connect to me so much because I have that good balance of like authoritarian dance teacher, big sister, friend when I need to be, Mm -hmm. let's get back to business. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Whereas like our teachers back in the day were very much like, well, let's get to business. No funny business at all. Like this is what we're doing. And I think that that's, it's important to build that relationship with your kids. And I'm glad Mm -hmm. that I was able to do that because I've been getting, like I said, a lot of feedback, not from the people, not only from the people online, the moms at the studio seek me out to tell me you've helped so-and-so come out of her shell this year. Thank you for seeing her. Thank you for giving her that extra two seconds of attention. And when I talk to my sisters about this, I always say like, I really do try to make it a goal that every single kid feels seen and heard when they leave my classroom. It's not enough to have your two favorites that you're pouring all of your attention into all the time. Mm. Yes. You know? Oh, yes, I do know. I do Because know. there's so much untapped potential mm-hmm. in the kids who don't feel like they're even getting looked at. And I yes. feel like in my classroom, you are getting looked at. And that's why I've seen so much growth in my classroom. Yeah. So. And I also think when you're teaching a big group class, I don't know what your studio is like, but my studio from home has a whole mix of people who are doing it because their friends are doing it and it's social, Mm -hmm. people who are doing it because they love to dance and it's recreational and they don't want to pursue it, and then people who are really trying to pursue it. And so having to teach a class with all of those varied levels levels and reasons for being there can be really tricky. So it takes a lot of effort and intention to see each person and to give them what they need. Like some of them just need encouragement as a human being. They literally just need you to say, good job. Love the way you did that level change. And then you can give them a correction. But like, they're just looking for that um, acknowledgement that you're even looking in their direction. Mm -hmm. It's an invaluable gift that you're giving people. Yeah. So rewinding a little bit, what brought you into dance and what was your training like growing up and <laughs> all the, the early side of Angela? Yes, absolutely. So I am the youngest of four and I was absolutely an accident. So <laughs> I, <laughs> um, me, and my, <laughs> me and my closest sibling are 10 years apart. So growing up, like, yeah, I had my older siblings, but they were already grown. So my one of my older sisters also has cystic fibrosis. So when I was originally born, they had told my mom that I did not have CF. Um, and then when she brought me home, um, she started seeing some signs. And then at three months old, they did a full panel of all the mutations for me. And lo and behold, I had it. So finding a physical outlet was always a priority for my parents for me. So I tried a, a few things growing up. I tried t-ball. I tried basketball and my cousin danced at my studio. So my aunt was like, you know what, Rita, let me bring her with me. So practices were actually on a Saturday 
and I was I had just tried out for the basketball team. So my mom was like, "You have to pick one." And I thank the universe every single day that I picked dance because who the hell <laughs> I would have been right? Cannot I want to <laughs> see you play basketball and t ball? So bad. I definitely have pictures of the t ball outfit. Yeah. So I started. I started dancing because I, my parents wanted me to do something active to keep my lungs healthy was basically the bottom line. And then, cause I didn't start until I was five, which if you're a dancer, dancers typically start at these studios two, three years old, like as young as two. So it's, I was already behind at this point. So I go in, I remember it. I fell in love like immediately. I was like, mm, I'm pretty good at this. I'm like, I could, I had great rhythm off the bat. I had great memory. I could pick up choreography really well. The first week I remember I couldn't do a split. I went back the next week and I knew how to do a split. Like I just, it happened so naturally for me. So I joined, they asked me to join the competition team. My second year they were making a competition team and it was a group of 12 of us. And we got to compete a little ballet number and a tap number. The tap number was to Itsy Bitsy Spider. We were so cute. And that was it. I was obsessed from that point. I got a solo when I was 10. There was two of us that got a solo, so I was I was one of the first two out of my group that was got, gotten a solo, and I remember being so excited for that. I remember when I got the solo letter in the mail, I actually had mono, like terrible, terrible mono, like on the couch, couldn't even keep my eyes open, and then I remember my sisters and my mom came in with the letter, and we were so excited. Aww. We were like, oh my God, what does this mean? Because I was the first dancer in the family, so... I competed my whole life, going to competitions, conventions, started going to nationals, started going to summer intensives. Originally, was not in the plans for me to go to school for dance Mm. at all. Wasn't even a thought. I went into my dance studio my senior year, and they were asking me, my, my two studio owners, one of which who is my mentor to this day, And she says, like, what are you doing next year? Where are you going? And I, like, listed off some names of colleges. And the look that she gave me, Jessica, she was like, what do you mean you're not going to dance? Mind you, I had spent my entire time at that studio hearing her talk crap about people who went to dance, went to school for dance. Okay? Uh But she looked at me and she was like, you have to dance. Like, what do you mean you're not dancing? I got in the car. I called my mom, sobbing, crying. I was like, I don't know what to do. I was like, they're so bad at me. And she was like, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, obviously, mom, I would love to dance forever. So she was like, okay, come home. We're going to do your research and we'll go. I applied to Marymount. I didn't even tour the college, Jessica. Did not even go. I went the audition day. They accepted me after I did my solo and that was it. I was like, I guess I live here now. And that was literally it. Yeah. So then trained obviously at Marymount for four years, graduated with a concentration of choreography, which I am still so grateful that I chose that track to this day. And yeah, that was basically my little Ange to college Ange story. And then you got from college on with Sixers and teaching, but I was, it was like an addiction. So I remember in high school, we did a benefit for CF and they had me like speak in the beginning. And my mom and my sisters like always used to love when I said, I I used to dance to live, but now I live to dance. And like, that was like, well, I just got chills. (laughs) The hard hitter. People would love that. (laughs) But yeah, it's so true. Like it started as like a, a physical necessity and then it turned into something that I like, could not be without. 
Mm-hmm. So it's a beautiful journey to get here. It's been yeah. a little a little rocky, but a little rocky sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, rocky. But yeah, yeah. So, what was your college experience like? Oh my god, it's college. <laughs> I it was a love. It was a love hate. I loved my friends. Obviously, like there was a core of us. Who'd you who... love the most? <laughs> Nick. <laughs> <laughs> No, no. Nick and you were always my faves. You know you were my fave. It's but, okay. Um, I understand so, Nick. He, I, mean, I mean, like, who makes you – who made you laugh the most Nick, of in course. college? It was Nick, obviously. Of course. of course. But, yeah, like, my friends, I feel like we had a really, really great and smart – Oh, wait. Let me friends. tell you something here on the pod. Nick is making his Broadway debut in Moulin Rouge as a swing and dance captain – God, like I could cry right now. I'm so happy for I him. Know. Oh my God, my heart. I know. My heart and literal soul. I, know. I love him so much. I know I I never speak to him really, but like I, there's such a special place in my heart for that. Always will be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So special. So special. But yeah, I feel like we had a really, really gr- good group of smart people that we were friends with. Smart people who were able to have a good time. And like, we were not partiers. No ever like we didn't go out we didn't like I hear like my fiance's stories from college I'm like yeah what were you doing there because our college experience was so different we would just hang out in our living room and And, like like, order insomnia cookies like exactly maybe every once in a while get a bottle of wine like it was never that serious right now the teachers I really had ups and downs with like I remember my freshman year getting absolutely berated by my modern teacher. She used to fixate on like one person every once in a while. And I was the first person. And I was like having imposter syndrome. I was like, do I even freaking belong here? Like I can't even do a soda shot without her yelling at me. I'm like, this is like an awful experience. But then ballet, we had Mr. Pharaoh and Mm. I just, he made me love ballet. Mm. I hated ballet growing up. We my studio was not a big ballet studio at all. Obviously, we would take it twice a week, but it wasn't like it wasn't anything like we were doing in college or at a lot of these other pre-pro studios that you see or comp studios. Um, he made me love it. He was just so joyful. <laughs> like, so joyful. I could close my eyes and like hear his voice and see him in his little tie-up <laughs> tan jazz shoes and jeans and black shirt and like <laughs> I'm in love with him. Like, I love him so much. And, like, he was the first teacher at Marymount that made me feel seen. Mm. As we were talking about, you know, me reciprocating that to my students these days. And he really ignited a love of ballet in me that I didn't even know existed. And, of course, there were other teachers that I really felt connected with. The only the only one that I would say would be on the same level as... Mr. Farrow would have to be JC. I knew you were going to say that. Me and JC, there was something about us. There was something about us that we just, he really saw something in me and like made me feel like I wasn't a complete failure when I walked into ballet because there was a lot of teachers that I would like miscommended or love her to death, like could not be any more terrified of a person if I tried. (laughs) Could not. Like I would not breathe when she was anywhere near me giving me a correction. But JC was never like that. JC was always so open. He was always 
He always gave you a correction, like, sternly, but, like, gave you that little smile at the end so you knew that he wasn't doing it in a judgy way. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But college was way different than competition for me. I didn't do any concert dance until I stepped into Marymount, Manhattan College. Different world. And that was so different. I'm like, what do you mean we're going to have a 26-minute dance? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like (gasps) – Ah, like I just, I don't know. It was so different. But like, honestly, as much as I would say like, oh, I wouldn't change anything because it like led me to this point. I don't know if I would have chosen to go to Marymount if I knew everything that I knew now. I definitely would not have. Like, and I, I always struggle with that in my head because I'm like, but then you wouldn't be where you are and everything might be different. But I'm like, damn, girl, you got all those loans for what? I think it wasn't the right program for me. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing (laughs) I was going to say about, I'm just cracking up at the thought of you coming from this competition studio. And then remember the piece freshman year where I think it was, (laughs) no, no. This one? No. The one You know which I'm talking about. Yes. (laughs) Someone had to stand and spin in a circle for 10 full minutes in the downstage oh, corner. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. And she had to just stand and spin. Jessica, my family came to see <laughs> my family came to see my freshman year. They were like, oh. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, this is my life now. This is what I do. <laughs> but, the shock must be out dude, of this world. Like, A crazy shock, a crazy difference. But the one thing that I will always, like the best thing that I took out of Marymount was my ballet technique because I had little, not little to none, obviously I did ballet growing up, but learning from specifically JC helped inform how I communicate imagery and feelings in the body and the way that I'm like telling my students like what this should feel like he really changed the way that like I thought about teaching dance Mm. my biggest happiest takeaway would be how I really transformed my ballet and was able to absorb the teaching techniques of my favorite teachers because I do see that stuff coming out as I teach now I feel like we can all agree on a lot of great things and we can all agree on a lot of horrible things about right. college. And it's interesting because I am the complete opposite as what you're saying about ballet specifically. Yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. I loved ballet in high school. I like would have been a bunhead if I could have. And I went there and I learned to hate it because it made me hate my body. It made me Mm. hate what I was not capable of doing. I was not celebrated for being able to perform through ballet anymore. Right, right. Well, okay, pause. Our program was not like that at all. Agreed. You didn't have it. You didn't have it. That was it. You weren't getting resources to fix. There were some teachers, though. Catherine Cabine. Love her. I had Graham with Catherine. And first of all, in sophomore year, I had Lona. And Lona and Graham, I never thought I would love a class again so much. She was the teacher who helped me understand how to move through space in a time when I was so stressed and so... But can I pause and say, Marymount made us scared to move through space. 
because every time I would move, I would get yelled at. And I'm like, what do you want me to do? So then, mm-hmm. like, I, they, like, strip you down to base. If you are not a favorite when you step into that building, they mm-hmm. are stripping you down. Good luck building yourself back up. That's yes. literally it. Can we also say that I got a B- in ballet almost every semester. So it's not like I am, like... <laughs> ballet goddess either you know what I mean but I think JC might have given me an A minus like my last semester ever oh just circling back quickly about Catherine so I loved Graham with Lona sophomore year I loved Horton with Christina loved Horton we had a great Horton class were we in oh yeah we were in we did that dance (laughs) and then the next year I went abroad which was yeah my saving grace I know my two best idea. friends left me to go abroad. And I'm like, okay, I'll just be here for you guys waiting for you to come back. So we came back and had Catherine for Graham. And I was like, I can't even sit cross-legged anymore. Like my body is a disaster. My back hurts. My hips are so tight. Yeah. I can't even sit cross-legged anymore. And she's like, oh, go get – let's get you a yoga block and sit on it. So she was so willing and wanting right, to, to make work with me. And, exactly. Yeah. Anyway. I love Catherine so much. That's beside the point. No, but I love Catherine too. I was in one of I was in one of her pieces. I we was were. with you. So <coughs> we each had some moments throughout school where our confidence was, dare I say, ruined or yeah, shat on. Absolutely. And I was wondering if you wanted to voice any of those experiences that you had, whether it's to share them so that people know that it is not okay for people to speak to you that way or just to express them, whatever. I don't think that I can pinpoint like an exact moment where like a teacher said something that it was just the feeling that what they said, you, I can't even put it into words, but you know, you know what, I mean. what I mean. Like there wasn't like a specific phrase. No one ever looked at me and said like, oh, you're terrible, whatever. It was just like me doing freaking leaps in modern one week two and Nancy being like, what is that? You don't move out. You got to go up and da, 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 da. And I'm like, what is happening? Like I literally just got here two days ago. I just got here two days ago. But there were a lot of moments where, like, a lot of those moments where we would have our, like, one-on-one ballet jury. jury. Oh, my God. Like, I used to make myself sick. And I knew they were going to say the same shit to me every time. I knew they were going to say to me, you have to work on your hands, your shoulders, your turnout needs to be better, whatever. I'm like, listen, boo, I'm never going to be a prima. I'm here to work on my technique. So as long as my legs are straight and my feet are pointed and I'm turning out to my best ability, like you guys should just take what I got and tell me if I've improved or not. Like, I don't need you to sit here and tell me everything that's wrong with me. But there were a lot of times in college, like after auditions, when I would get put in like a random DAW piece, I'm like, I'm, why am I here? I knew that I had so much more to give. Not only that, but like Marymount back in the day did not have a lot of opportunity for true jazz ever. It was like the Hunger Games trying to get into a fucking jazz class. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is what I'm good at. And I Mm -hmm. remember finally getting into a jazz class and like she, she looking at me and being like, oh shit, like who is this girl? And I'm like, I've been trying to tell y'all that this is what I'm good at. Yeah, this this is what I'm good at. And you guys never let me have have a chance to be here. And there were not performance opportunities for jazz. Marymount didn't even offer a commercial jazz class until way after we graduated, right? So I feel like no one could ever really see my true potential as a dancer. Mm -hmm. 
because I wasn't given the opportunity to shine in those genres. And yes, I probably should have picked a different program, whatever. But like looking back, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? But like where We're I doing felt our best like, at 18, 17 years old. Yeah, like I just got thrown in here. Like I I didn't even want to go to school for dance necessarily. And like all of a sudden I find myself in Manhattan living by myself and I'm like, what the hell is going on? Something that I really did thrive at in college was my DAW pieces as yeah. a choreographer. That's where I was like, oh my God, like maybe I could be a choreographer. I'm pretty good at this. And I felt like those experiences I am grateful for from Marymount to give us the opportunity to choreograph as a student because I know a lot of schools don't do that. And I feel like I learned probably the most in those rehearsals with my dancers on my own. Mm-hmm. That that prepared me for after college more than anything as a dance educator now. So can you tell everyone about the incredible project that you did? I think our senior year, right? Yeah, we did together. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. Yes. What class was that for? Arts and social change. Arts and social right? change. I, that, yeah, I'm, I, don't, I can't believe that just came out of my mouth. <coughs> I wanted to say drugs in the brain, and I was like, that is not it. That was a Arts good class, and, though. <laughs> I, I love that, that class. class. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we had to do, like, a big project at the end of the year. So we decided that we were going to do a little series, a little short documentary on invisible illness. So cystic fibrosis is an invisible illness. If you look at a picture of me, you're not going to know anything is wrong with me. So there was a lot of times in school where people didn't know that I was sick because I look completely normal. So Jess followed me around for a day with the camera. She came my, to my dream come class. true. It was awesome. She came uh, to my jazz class at 8 a.m. Then we went to ballet together. And then I'm pretty sure I had composition and improv that day. So we were together all day and you interviewed me. Keep in mind, in college, that's all I ever wanted from Ange. I was like, please just let me be with you. Don't push me away. You got your your dream come true. But it was a great project. We We had such a great response to that project. And I really got to educate a lot of people and talk about Uh, some statistics about CF, showing me doing my treatments. There was some clips in there. I came back for spring semester and I had a pick line, which is a long-term IV. So I would come to school with my pick line. My nurse would meet me at school in my apartment if I needed them. But I was like administering all of my IV antibiotics on my own, on top of going to school on top of going to rehearsal, on top of going through Marymount Audition Week, like, which I don't even know how I did that, Jess, because I, like, the last time that I had my pick line in, I believe, last summer, I didn't have energy to do anything. So I'm like, my body really has changed drastically. Also, let me just say that I think there were two times in school that I ever saw you cry, and one of them yes. was about a boy, and the other was at the end of senior year, you started crying because you were like, I can't believe I just did that. I, I can't believe, believe I did these four years. Right. No, I remember before I even um, started going to school, my doctors were like, listen, going to college away from home with CF, taking care of yourself is like taking another three credit course. Mm-hmm. And boy, were they not joking. They were not joking. My freshman year, I like slacked off on my stuff for like three weeks. I was so sick. I'm like, I... I will never do this again. Like, mm-hmm. I've learned my lesson. And the rest of my time at school, I really made sure that I was on top of it. But yeah, graduating after, well, that was a really hard number that we did that 
season. But um, yeah, like I felt so accomplished. Like I remember like bowing at the end of train and my lungs literally being on fire and being like, I can't believe that I just did that. And to this day, like I would never be able to do that again. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that was, I was in the best shape of my life at that time. We were running a 30 minute cardio piece back to back to back with those casts. Like I would not, I absolutely cannot do that now, but it was just like, I remember being so accomplished and be like, holy shit. Like I cannot believe that I just did that. And I was so proud of myself. Yeah. I still am, but yes. Can you explain what, well, part of the documentary you had our improv class dancing and breathing through straws. So they used to tell us, I remember one of the respiratory therapists when I was in the hospital when I was younger and she, they wouldn't be allowed to leave us in the room when we would do our treatments. Like it would just be like me and this random person. And I remember this one woman that I had and she would say, oh, have you ever had your friends, um, breathe out of a straw with their mouth and hold their nose for like a minute. And I'm like, no. So when we came time to do this project and I'm like, I am about to make you bitches dance like this right now. And I specifically remember Hansa, who literally was the Energizer Bunny. Yes. Right? We're like a minute in and he's like, woo! Like he can't. <laughs> <laughs> he like just, he couldn't breathe. So basically like the you're breathing out of a straw so you, your airways are constricted and then you're holding your nose. So you're only getting like a percentage of your lung capacity. So it's a great test to see how um, people with CF are feeling. We took it obviously a step further and had them dancing while they were doing it. But when it was over, everyone was like, oh my God, like, I can't believe you do that. And I'm like, yeah, you got it. I'm like, you got to push through. I'm not just going to stop in the middle of the floor, you know what yeah. I mean? But yeah, that was that was a great exercise. I feel like that really opened up everyone's eyes. You def- you did that one too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And can you tell a little bit about what treatments are for you and like yeah. how much of your day that occupies? So as I've gotten older, they've taken up obviously more of my time. Um, so CF is a degenerative disease. So it's going to continuously get worse as I get older, which means that all of my treatments and preventative care needs to be at a different level, which is also why it was hard for me to work in an office because I would have to be in the office by 7.15. So I would be literally waking up at 5.40 in the morning to do my treatments which obviously made me more tired, which made me more sick and whatever, whatever. So now, um, like if I am sick, like I am right now, I will try to do my treatments three times a day. If I'm having a normal, if I'm at like my baseline, so like my baseline is like, I cough a little bit here and there, but like I'm pretty much healthy. Then I can take it down to once a day. If i feel like it. But I really try to do once or twice a day when I'm healthy. If I'm sick, then you need to bump it up. So now because I've been sick and I've been doing it an extra time, like it gets annoying because I'm sitting there, I'm strapped into this vest that has three buckles on it. It has two tubes on the side. So you plug in your two tubes and the tubes are connected to like this machine that's a monitor. So the monitor has three different settings. One is how fast you're going to shake. One is how tight the vest is going to be. And one is your timer. So I'll do it for 30 minutes. It depends because I'm sick right now. I've been doing it at like a higher tightness and faster shaking. 
But if I'm just at baseline, I'll do, I'll split it up into like three 10 minute chunks where I'll raise the increments on my shaking and my, my tightness so I can get my airways, um, get deeper in my airways, like as the treatment progresses. So as I'm doing my vest, I'm also doing some breathing treatments. One is called hypertonic saline. It's literally just salt water, basically, um, which you inhale and that helps break down all of the gunk in your chest and help get it up, which is also what, what the shaking is for. You want to like dislodge the stuff in your chest. That way you can cough it up and get it out of your body is the ultimate goal. And then I also have a couple other nebulizers that I do, but typically the whole session is about 30 minutes. So depending on how I'm feeling, if I'm sick, then it'll be about almost two hours of my day that I spend doing these treatments. So it really, it is like a a part-time job, literally taking care of yourself because outside of the treatments, then you're taking medicine every morning, every night, every time you eat, you can't just eat like a normal person. You have to take your medicine or else you're not going to digest your food and your body's not going to absorb your nutrients from your food. So then that causes a bunch of problems. It's a lot. It's definitely a lot. And it's gotten obviously harder as I've gotten older. It's gotten harder as I've moved out of my parents' house because my mom was such a freaking rock star gem who would be like, take your medicine. Here's your stuff. Do this. Like she was always pushing me. And it's just funny now because she's had talks with Antonis about being the same way. So now he's being more like stern and fresh. I'm like, oh, five more minutes. He's like, no, here's your treatment. Go sit over there. So like now for at least one of my treatments every day, we'll play Mario Kart for my entire treatment. So it'll like, (laughs) so it'll go by faster. <laughs> but um yeah no it's a lot it's a lot and if you don't know me and if you're looking from the outside like you have no clue what's going on yeah for sure well we yeah. didn't know freshman most of freshman year until you got sick I don't think you told anybody sick. and then you had to go to the hospital we're all like where the heck's Ange well I got sick because I got sick they put me on antibiotics my body for whatever reason had a terrible reaction to the antibiotics and I was like super backed up And then that started causing a million more problems. So then I remember not being able to come back to school until like a few days after break or something. But that's when I had to tell everyone like, yeah, by the way. It was enough that it was long enough that we were all like, where is she? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, I remember that. I remember that. But that's a whole other thing is being someone with a chronic illness and coming into a brand new situation like college and not knowing how to disclose that to people because you don't know how they're going to take it. Not that I thought that you guys were going to like shun me in any way. Mm -hmm. I knew you guys weren't going to, but I'm like, fuck, now I have to have this conversation again. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's something that already is taking up so much space in your life, in your day. In my brain. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. How did you feel people were in terms of supporting you? Oh my God. Everyone was so supportive. Once everyone knew, like, there was not a time where I didn't come to school because I was sick and I didn't have, like, five people texting me, asking me if I was okay, if I need any anything, checking in on me. Everyone was super supportive. The, another hard part about that was telling the teachers, too. Because mm. after I told the teachers, I felt like, oh, my God, they're going to see me differently. And guess what? Some of them did see me differently mm. after that. Some didn't, but some definitely did. How so? Um... Like, I remember having my pick line for auditions. And I think it was Catherine's piece. And I, like, went up to Katie and Nancy. And I think that 
Katie knew, but I don't think she really knew the scope. And I don't think Nancy really knew either. But like, I always felt like there was an air of like feeling sorry for me after that. Mm. You know what I mean? Because it's one thing for me to tell you. It's another thing for you to physically see me dancing with a fucking pig line in my arm. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And me having to say like, hey, because I don't know if you remember, we were doing like that partnering where you would like lock elbows and like throw somebody. And I had to go up and I'd be like, I can't do this. My right arm literally has a 16 inch IV in it right now. Mm -hmm. Like I can't break it or else that's going to be an issue. And it was never like an outright like pity but it was just something in the air and like the way that she like looked at me from then on out that made me feel like, well, now she thinks I'm weak. You know what I mean? Mm. Did you feel but, any kind of sense of that with anybody else, like any of us? Not even a little bit. If anything, I felt like you guys thought that I was stronger for that. Yeah. Than weaker for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, my my college friends were always – always very over the top supportive and like you guys always wanted to ask questions and and know as much as you could yeah like it wasn't something that I just told you once and you guys like blew off it was like what else can I learn about this to help make your day-to-day any easier yeah and obviously I was I was so stubborn so I wasn't obviously (laughs) accepting you at the time no (laughs) you were so easy you just like let me hug you and love on you and take care of you you were like the easiest thing never 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 I would have to force and I would be pissed the entire time yeah 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 sounds about right (laughs) sounds completely right yeah I think that was always interesting navigating with you because we became friends freshman year Mm-hmm. We became closer as the years went on, and yeah. I knew that strength that you had, and I knew that you were someone who would not want to be pitied or thought of in that way. Right. right. And then I wanted to say, though, and I think I ha- – I, I don't know how I managed to do this. You can tell me if you think I did, but I just think you're fucking incredible, and your strength and resilience was overwhelming and is overwhelming. And it it honestly has completely changed how I look at the world and how I look yeah. at people. You are truly the strongest person I've ever met, and you are my hero. And I guess it's like, how do I say that to you in a way that doesn't make you feel like, oh, it's because of the CF and whatever. Right. Like, it's just, it's the whole... It's the whole life. It's your whole life. Right. It's who you no, are. No, and I get, and I know, and I, I have never once felt that you were looking at me any differently. Like you, more than anybody, were always like the my biggest cheerleader in all of it. So you have always done such a good job of expressing that to me. Always, always, even to this day. I force myself back into your life. Like we want talking a year. I'd be like, okay, I'm coming over. <laughs> What's up? Yeah. But you I know what's that? Beyonce. I know, but it's just a, that's a testament to our friendship, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we don't talk, and then we talk, and we're back in 2013. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's that's never been an awkward thing for us ever. Yeah. Something I've been thinking about for you is you were dancing in such an intense environment from yeah. school, and then the 76ers, yeah, and like teaching, obviously. Is there a way that you think you can perform again in a way that is actually possible for you in a way that will not make you feel sicker? Like, is there a way that we can come up with some kind of 
plan, even if it's not in a professional context. <coughs> I'm sure there you're, is. You're an incredible performer and dancer. And Thank so, you. I mean, I would love to. And I think that if I put every ounce of extra energy that I had into rebuilding my stamina that I once had, I don't even know if I would ever even be able to get it there because I don't know if my lung function could get back to that place again. You know what I mean? So like, I'm sure there is a world in which I could. I will say at the starting to get towards the end of like my Sixers time, I remember thinking like Sixers was such a great, an NBA was such a great option for me because Mm -hmm. you're on the court for a minute and 10 seconds max. So like I could be sick. I could be coughing. I went to games with my back thrown out from coughing. I'm like, all I need to do is run out there and look cute, dance my ass off for a minute and 10 seconds. And then I can come back to the dressing room and do what I need to do. And then I could send a sub out there if I need to, you know what I mean? So like that it was almost like the perfect job for me. Mm. I could literally dance as full out as I wanted to for 70 seconds. And then that was it. Do I think that I can do that again? Yes. Do I think I can do that in like a jazz hip hop context? Probably not. Just because the stamina, the cardio, I just, I, the past couple times that I've really tried to dance like that, I blacked out. I've thrown up. I felt so sick that I couldn't catch my breath for like minutes, minutes, minutes. So like there now there's that level of like fear associated with it too mm-hmm. that like I don't want to push myself beyond that point because I don't want to make myself feel like that again. I think that if it's like a contemporary lyrical combo or I could definitely hit you with a belly adagio for sure. Oh yeah. Petite Allegro, don't get your hopes up. But, like, I think that – I would never um, ask that of you, Angela. I hate Petite Allegro. I love I'm so Petite happy Allegro. I can't do it. I know you can't. I, like, I can't. Me and my short Achilles cannot do it. I have shorter Achilles, <laughs> and I still loved it. It just put me in a lot of pain. My Achilles are way shorter than you, Angela. <laughs> like, my demi-plie is very shallow, Jessica. Angela. Very. Angela. Okay, we're pretty comparable. Don't start with me. That was something that I used to get told in freaking college all the time in my juries is that my Same. calves were tight. Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean my calves are tight? I'm like, you guys have me running from 63rd to 71st in 10 minutes. In the snow. Uphill, in the snow. I'm like, yeah, my freaking calves hurt. <laughs> oh my God, don't get me started. But yes, I do think that there is a perfect world in which I can perform like a, so, a slower paced something. Mm-hmm. What if you start doing more things like you're doing a lot of teaching videos? Will you start doing more of yourself dancing again? I would. I think that right now I do have that fear about it though. Because even if it's just myself, like I have tried. I've tried to like just set up my camera and see what I could do. And like it gets to the point where I, you watch the video back and you're like, well, damn, I looked more full out doing this three years ago. So I'm not mm. like – I. There's like that shaming aspect for Mm -hmm. yourself. And I know that you shouldn't have that. But from dancing at such like an elite level to then completely dropping off with COVID and then like trying to get back into it, it's like 
yeah, I could probably get there. It's never going to quite be at that exact level again, but it's going to take, it would take literally all of my spare time to train to get my lungs back to that position. Like, and I don't even know if I can get there, like I've been saying, but I do think that there is, um, there's a possibility that I could do, do do like a lyrical contemporary improv situation, but anything that's like higher tempo, I like literally cannot help myself and I have to dance full out and then I dance myself sick. Mm -hmm. What if you did like, what if you just choreographed an eight or 16 counts? Doable. I can definitely do that. Oh, you will? No, I, no, I could do, I could do. Are they going to say you won't just stop there? (laughs) I, I don't know if I would. I don't know if I would, but um, I if think If I that, was there, like, I'd make you. I know you would. I think that like 45 seconds is probably my max that I could give you a full out anything at this moment. Well, there maybe there's Which is something so sad, but- to be said about like something I keep trying to come back to is starting where you are and like not being afraid to be messy and imperfect mm-hmm. and like celebrating whatever we are doing right now, wherever we are right right now. So what if we could look at it like, yeah, I'm going to do a kick-ass eight count of this amazing jazz dance. Right. And I'm going to start there and I'm going to post it. And then my cutie TikTokers are going to be like, (laughs) we want more, Angie. We want more. Yeah, you just never – I mean, seeing you dance is such a gift and it's really devastating to not be able to do it in the way – that you want and that you're used to. Right. It's devastating. Which is, which is the biggest hurdle that I'm trying to currently get over at this point. Because this is something that I didn't even like think about until like a few oh, a few weeks ago. I went to teach a class at a adult school. So we have it's, – it's kind of like a BDC situation. So it's like 17 and older can go take class here. So – she, I reached out to her. Anyway, I went and I taught my first contemporary class last week. And when I tell you that I was so freaking scared, Jessica, to go into this class because I'm like, I'm going to be expected to dance full out and I can't do it. So I ended up asking if I can bring Bella, my oldest niece, to dance for me when I couldn't because it's just, it gets really hard to teach and talk and dance and do it all at the same time. I just get really out of breath. I can't do it. So anyway, the end of class comes, everyone's coming up to me, whatever, everyone leaves. And the social media lady comes in and she's like, I just want to get a video of you doing it full out by yourself for promo. I literally looked at Bella with like a look of fear in my eyes. And I don't, like, want to start crying, but, like, Bella looked at me and she was like, you can do it. And it was only, like, a 45-second combo, and I did give it everything. And then even though I made it through, like, I still look back and I'm like, well, that could have been better, and that could have been better, and that could have been better. So it's just, like, there's so many layers to it, right? There's, like, going from the professional level to then not being able to really dance. And then always as a dancer, you're always so judgmental of yourself, right? So like, it just has been piling. So now I'm I'm like trying my best to put myself back out there, right? So, but it's gonna take baby steps because now I have like such a fear of not 
doing it well enough and I just have to get over it. Like it's never going to be what it was when I was 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, right? It's never going to be like that. So now I just have to find my new normal and be okay with it not being perfect. You know what I mean? But like there's such a mental block as a dancer because you always are your toughest freaking critic. So yeah, that's what I have to say about that. So a couple of things. First of all, Bella. The love of my life. Love her. My oldest niece, who is now like my bestest friend, she will be 16 in August. She's like the sweetest girl in the world. She is literally a real life Disney princess. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what I would do without her to this day, but yeah, I I would not. And I said, I said that to my like mom and my sister. I was like, I wouldn't have been able to do it without her there. I wouldn't have. And that also goes back to when you were talking about your human bio, like, yeah, you're a teacher, but also you're a family first lady. And that is a full circle, all encompassing moment that this person that you love so much is there to be like, your body when Supportive. you can't. And this person who I love so much who we get to share this like connection of dance in, which is like so special. And you also teach her, right? Yeah. Which is another yeah. beautiful added layer. Yeah. yeah. I'm just so appreciative that you shared all that because we do all have our fears and to be able to voice them is so rare and it's like why I wanted to start having these conversations that was just like Mm -hmm. the epitome of why I wanted to do this right there because for me asking you oh are you gonna post more about you performing (laughs) it's because I love watching you perform and obviously knowing you and knowing your story of course I would assume that there's some underlying sadness and heartbreak about not being able to dance like that anymore of course but I'm more just like, hey, why don't you just do it anyway? <laughs> just talk, yeah. like, just, Tell just, me more. <laughs> just why don't you just post a little bit of dance? Come on. But <laughs> I think one of the most beautiful things about being a teacher is that when you tell your students something, you look back at yourself and you're like, oh, you hypocrite. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, take if, your own advice. Take your own advice. Because <laughs> like if, you're, if your student said to you like, oh, I don't want to post this video because I, I – can only do a double and I think you have to do a triple, you know, whatever it is. Do you know what I would say to that kid? I'd be like, what? are you joking? I'm like, I would literally say, like, why do you care? Because guess what? Nine times out of ten, people just scroll past your dance video anyway. Yeah. And they're they're not going to care that your releve was not as high in this video as it was in the last one. Like, I, but that's the thing, Jess, is I know. No, I, I know. literally know. And – there's just – there was a lot of pressure for me to go teach at this specific place because um, it was in Cherry Hill, so it's close to Philadelphia. I obviously have a reputation in Philadelphia as being really good, not to toot my own horn, but, like, being really toot good. Toot girl. Toot, toot. Not a lot of people are made captain their second season as an NBA dancer. Like, it just doesn't happen. And, like, I used to run the clinics, and I, I – got to like teach online on Instagram live and I was the full out dancer. That was me. Right. So like now coming into this space that a lot of these people from Philadelphia who know the dance team world, know who I am, know my bio, 
but they're going to be in my class. And then like to get there, I don't want them to be like disappointed in what I have to offer, which is why I now, like if I'm teaching a master class or whatever, I am very open and I'm like, just to let you guys know, I have cystic fibrosis. Sometimes I get out of breath. It's hard for me to teach and talk and do a lot of things. So I might have to step out, whatever, whatever. Like I, I am now very forthcoming about that. And I'm happy that I am because one of the students that I had in my class actually messaged me after class to tell me that he just got back from, I believe it might've been Boston, that he studies like different types of fibrosis and cystic was one of them that he studied a little bit. So there was just a lot of pressure going into like that specific setting. It's interesting as we get older and have more experiences outside of what we thought we were going to do. Like, what did right. you think on a quick tangent? What did you think you were going to do? Did you know? I, I no never, idea. not one time had a plan, Jess. Never, yeah. not one time did I have a plan from the time I was 18 to the time I graduated college. And even after that, I had no idea what was going on at all. I was really excited after I graduated and I saw like dance team stuff because I was like, oh, this would actually be super duper fun. Like this is something that I could do still living at home. Yeah, this is something that I could do living at home. Like at the time, the Sixers were still very much like heavy jazz and technique. So I'm like, this is perfect for me. And obviously like I was lucky enough to make it on my first time that I ever tried out. So like, obviously if that hadn't happened, I have no idea where I would be because as you know, right after school, college, like my mom was very, very sick. So, and I was her primary caregiver because all of my siblings were married with kids out of the house. So it was hard for me as a fresh college graduate. I was working at the pizzeria with my dad just to make any money that I could. And because it was flexible and I can go home and be with my mom if I needed to, to then find time to spend $30 on a round trip ticket to get on the train to go to New York at four in the morning to write my name on a non-union list and then maybe not get seen. Like there, in my mind, I knew it wasn't sustainable. I, mm-hmm. It would have been sustainable if I was able to live in the city after I had graduated. But because of my circumstances with my mom, that was not an option for me. I knew I was coming home immediately after school. So yeah, I never had a plan. I knew that I wanted to teach. Even then, like I have always had a dream of like opening a studio one day. And even back then, like I thought like that was a possibility for me. I obviously wanted to dance much longer than I did because of COVID that kind of screwed everything up. Like I think that I probably would have been on for probably two more years. I really wanted to do like five years and then be done. But I had to roll with the punches and and change what I was doing and ended up getting a normal ass job and teaching on the side and doing sixers and whatever. But now I don't, all I want to do is teach now. You know what I mean? Like that's where my heart is. That's where I feel like I am the most me. That's where I feel like I have the most impact, able to share the most. So no, I did not have a plan. Not ever, not one time. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) we were winging it from the jump here. I bring that up to say that you've built such an amazing life for yourself with such incredible support systems. And of course, your puppy. The love of my life. The love of your life. (gasps) My love. (laughs) We were fast friends when I met him. He's a lover. He's a lover. But 
you are carving a unique path for yourself because you are a unique person with unique circumstances in your life. And who knows what else you can create? That's the reason I brought up the performance videos because- No, yes. And I would love to brainstorm with you because I know that there is something- more for me to be able to teach and use my story to inspire. And I just don't know how to do both of those things in one. And which is why I am grateful that, you know, TikTok kind of just happened randomly for me because I do feel like that is a start. I have been able to share my story. I literally posted a video of me literally bawling my eyes out two weeks ago. That is so not me. That is so not me. Never have I ever. So a lot of the times... If I'm like having a hard day, I know that you love to journal. What I have started to do is set up my camera and talk to myself. That way I could talk to myself through things. Okay. So I wake up and I'm like super sick and I like was having one of those days and I had like recorded myself and I like was watching it back to kind of just process. And I'm like, you know what? Like this is so much more valuable out in the world than it is just sitting in my camera roll. And that video, I want to say, has like, oh, I want to say over 100,000 views and a lot of comments and a lot of people in support. And thank you so much for sharing your story. And basically what I had said was I that my kid, I, I'm sure that my kids wonder why I am so adamant about them dancing full out all the time mm-hmm. because I get pissed. I get pissed. If you're in my class and you're giving me 50% energy, like get out. And I said, it's because I can't dance full out anymore. So when I see a kid in my class that has a fully functioning body and fully functioning lungs and they are like half-assing everything in my class, it breaks my heart because there's nothing more that I want to do than dance full out. You know what I mean? Like you, they have such a gift that they don't even know until it's taken away. And basically I explain like I can't dance any, anymore because of my CF, but like if you have a healthy body and you have healthy lungs, consider yourself lucky. And I like ended it there. And the response that I got from that message, from young dancers commenting and being like, I will always think of this. I will always dance full out because of this message. Like, you have really changed the way that I thought about dancing. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, this is important. And people should know. People should know my story. Not that I'm, like, a crazy person, but because I think that it can help a lot of people. Because I never had a dance role model like that to look up to in a situation that was similar to me and to have a lot of kids and have moms in my comments saying like, I have two little dancers with CF and, you know, this was so inspiring to watch. Like, that's crazy Mm -hmm. that I'm able to like reach these people now. Yeah, I think that TikTok is a good start. I just have to figure out a way (laughs) to streamline and do something to combine all of those things together. Do you have a website? I don't have a website now. I'll make you a website. I told you I was going to do your wedding manager. website. <laughs> <laughs> I said, give me the – I'll do the wedding website. I said that. I, there's, I have put in zero thought into the wedding website, so. Yeah, but I can – I'll make your website. From TikTok, I've gotten a lot of, like, private lessons and, and the things, like, virtual stuff. Mm-hmm. But I've just done it, like, through – I've just given them, like, my business email. I've never done, like, a – Yeah, I mean, people are so – lucky to get to work with you and what you have to share is so vital and you have changed my life so much and so the fact that you're putting it out there for your story and who you are to impact so many people 
It's just incredible. Just at this point, like after everything happened with my job and being put into this situation, I'm like, it's now or never. It's literally now or never. You're going to figure it out now or you're never going to figure it out. So I just had the craziest deja vu. That makes me feel like I am. um, We've been here before. We definitely have. I've definitely FaceTimed you from this bed before. So maybe that was it. No, it was, it's the whole thing because I've never I've never sat at this desk before. That's I've never so done weird. a podcast interview. With you before. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like the whole thing, and I knew what you were going to say, and I knew you were going to say something like to finish it off that. like that. Yeah, that is so crazy. So, if you have one final, I mean, you've basically given infinite words of wisdom, but if you had one final thing that you wanted to share, specifically to our younger students, but really to everybody, what would you share? I would say dance as long as you can in any capacity that you can, because yeah, it's good for your body, but it's just as good for your mind to be able to move in any capacity. And anybody is a dancing body, so everyone should be moving. But especially with my younger dancers, don't let one comment from one judge or one teacher make you feel like you are not good enough in that space because there is absolutely a classroom where you will be respected and seen and celebrated. Because in my classroom, everybody is celebrated. Yeah, that and just dance full out as long as you can because there's a lot of us out there who can't do it and would love to. I mean, I'm taking that advice. I'm, I've, for years, I've been just on this roller coaster of not being able to get back into dancing yeah. and moving my mm-hmm. body and needing to come back to my body through other things like yoga, yeah. but feeling so fearful and overwhelmed to get back to dance. So I need to- It is. It's just such a, it's so fearful because of the expectations that we put on ourselves. And I know, I know because that has literally been my life over the past six or less months. I even like, I've put on ballet classes on YouTube and I've done like a quick bar just to get my body moving. Like I am trying to get more comfortable um, doing it, but- yeah, for all my younger dancers out there, don't let one person, one judge, one teacher, one bad experience make you feel like you are a bad dancer. Because guess what? You don't have to be Misty Copeland to be a good dancer. You can be a little two-year-old girl who's spinning in the circle. You can be the little hip hop boy in the hip hop boys class who do coffee grinders. You can do, you know, like don't feel restricted because dance is truly the most freeing feeling, right? So live in that as long as you can. In my yoga training, something the biggest thing that helped me heal and I kept coming back to is that we're, we start right where we are, right in mm-hmm. this moment, starting where we are with what we have. And it's so hard to remember, but that's what I want to say to you yeah. with all any, it's, it's how you've lived your life. But now as right. we're talking about these things that are still giving some heartbreak and trying to rebuild and overcome. That's just what I'll send off with you. Love that. And yes, I am getting a therapist because I (laughs) – Good. Clearly I need one. Have you ever had one? No, but just when I tell you that when I first had like this epiphany and breakdown, I cried. I'm not kidding you. All day. Like Antonis would literally just look at me and I'd be like, "Ah!" like bad, like terrible. And two of my closest friends actually are therapists. Um, One Casey, who is another bridesmaid in the wedding. And she was like, 
doll, what is going on? And she really helped talk me through that day. Um, and she was like, we're going to help you find a therapist. Send me your information. So even now I have a great support system around me as I'm entering these like new challenges, unforeseen challenges or just buried challenges that I've now brought up to the surface, I should mm. say. Yeah. But every every day is a work in progress on this new journey for sure. I'm excited for you to find a good therapist. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I just found one that I really, really like. Really? A new one, yeah. I've been good. with her for a month. She's great. Good. But you got to shop around. No, I will. And that's what they said. My girlfriend said too. They're yeah. like, don't just stick with your first. Yeah. It's like dating. Yeah, you got to be compatible, right? Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah, none of us are with our first boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> Love him to death, but not for me, not for me. We love you. <laughs> love you. <laughs> okay, well, Angela D'Astasio, how can people find you? Maybe say your TikTok and your Insta. Yes, ma'am. So my TikTok handle is just <laughs> at Ange D'Astasio, A-N-G-D-E-S-T-A-S-I-O, and it is the same on Instagram. Cool, and I'll put it in the show notes too. Yay! Yay. Angela, I, I love you so much. I love you. You are you my You are one of my dearest. My, my dearest friends. <laughs> oh, how I love thee. But you so are. You so are. I would not – I literally would not be this open with any other one of my friends. Truly. You just pull it out of me, girl. I don't know what it is. It's because I just never stopped trying. No, it's literally – it's because you've never once <laughs> let me breathe ever. <laughs> <laughs> Ten years later, she's like, fine <laughs> – Gosh, it's more exhausting to hold it in than deal with this bullshit. Right, I'm like, God, I might as well just tell her now. She's been asking for 11 years. It's good. We're, we're in it for the long haul, you know? Yes, we are. We are. Okay, well, I, I love, love you. Antonis wants to say hi. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It's a dream come true to share these stories with you. And I hope that there's something that you can take away that betters your life. We'll see you next time.